ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. More exciting than a pajama party, this is the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's seven, and we're coming at you live from the crater that used to be filled with the hopes and dreams of the Artifact Dev Team. Oh, ouch. <laughs> what are you going to do if and when this game gets shut down? Will you have another whipping boy? Uh, yeah, I'll just go back to Overwatch League. Okay. Right. Like, in a lot of ways, Blizzard's happy because it's given us something else to say because everybody at Blizzard clearly listens to the show. Yeah, so we should start off with the topic that involves Blizzard. <laughs> yes, exactly. On this episode, uh, Dota Auto Chess continues to grow. Apex Legends is getting a battle pass. CSGO finds itself in the midst of another betting scandal, and someone is taking the player unknown out of PUBG. But first, Blizzard seems to have decided that there's more money in franchising than there seems to be in game development. Uh, the latest report from our boy Jacob Wolf over at ESPN is that uh, the Call of Duty franchise spots are now being offered up to uh, Overwatch League organizations in particular to the tune of 25 million big ones. Uh, this Now, this flies in the face of earlier reports. I remember a lot of the rumors in Overwatch League was originally forming back in Season 1. I believe it was Richard Lewis who had reported that they were actually offering Call of Duty spots mm-hmm. basically to say, hey, if you come, we realize this is a very large amount of money, so you'll also get Call of Duty. Now they're like, you know what? Screw it. How about we charge you even more for a Call of Duty spot? To be clear, this is the Activision arm of the Activision Blizzard company, not no, per they're se not Blizzard. one in the same, right? Now, right. They, they yeah. fired all the Blizzard people. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just Activision. But either way, it's interesting that they did go about saying uh, or offering them up. I believe they gave like a 14-day notice of intent uh, to certain teams. So you basically said you need to notify, notify us of your intent to possibly be in it. It's not binding. You just can, you can 14 days to say, Hey, I'll spend 25 million bucks on an esport No one cares <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. Let me just, let me just pocket, you know, check my pockets, make sure I have that on me. But, uh, so those uh, sour patch kid sponsorships are paying off. Yeah. And so here's some of the things I was thinking about. And when this topic came up was if you're optic, you just won the previous season, you have, money issues and then activision comes rolling around says hey you want uh, the chance to win what you've already been winning but give us 25 million i don't see that happening it's i I think total winnings i think by the end of this uh at the end of this tournament or this this season is essentially in the neighborhood around like five and a half million dollars so they're obviously going to need to up that because that's like four years running or two years three years running so I just think it's there's a, a lot of things that uh that's going on at Activision that I wouldn't necessarily want to jump in and invest twenty five million dollars into it when you look at how they how things are going on with Blizzard per se. Correct. And an interesting point, uh when you look at the current Call of Duty World League teams, if I'm not mistaken, only one of these organizations actually has an Overwatch League team, that being the aforementioned um, Optic Gaming, which is, of course, breaking into a bunch of different pieces. So with that being the case, we're not just talking about, hey, pay for you know entrance into this league. They're talking about potentially turning the uh, Call of Duty World League on its head. And not only do you have to pay $25 million out of pocket, but you now need to either purchase the teams away from one of these other organizations and increase your payroll in this game, or you need to just flat out put a team together by going out and signing free agents or whatever the case may be. Meaning it's not just a $25 million investment for most of these squads. It is also getting into a game that they had nothing to do with in the first place. Well, I think, uh, according to the the report, I think, uh, uh, Gen G and and Envy are two of the people that are still competing in both. So that's Soul Dynasty and, and Dallas Fuel. So they are still competing within Call of Duty World League. Um, but if you look at it, like some of these teams have already 
Uh, so Envy has already won it before recently, right? Uh, Optic Gaming and Evil Geniuses were the last. So those are the three in the last three years. Yep. And why you're going to go to the two of those teams and say, hey, do you want to get into this franchise league, even though you've been the winning team for yep. the last couple of years? Uh, in the last, you've won two of the last three. Do you really want to be involved in it? And we're going to give you more money. Because here's the thing: is if you say no, I'm not. Are they going to dump the World League? No, they're not. They're going to continue it. Then you still have a chance to do it, and you don't have to pay them the money. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there are some other big brands in the World League that do not have Overwatch League teams. Right. The, the biggest being Splice and 100 Thieves. So we're talking about two organizations that also may say. You know what? We're not really interested in $25 million franchising fee to continue in a league that we are not necessarily winning. And in the cases of Splice, already had to fork over money to get in the EU LCS. Right. So why am I going to, or sorry, sorry, the LEC. And so why am I going to then pony up even more money? to be involved in the league I'm already involved in. And then this is one of the first expansions outside of League of Legends for 100 Thieves, who obviously recently paid franchising fees to get into the NALCS. And then the rest of these squads are definitely too small to pony up $25 million. They don't have the brand recognition to go even pull in outside funding, with maybe the exception of a Luminosity or an Evil Geniuses, Reciprocity, Red Reserve, E-United, or Denial Esports, you know, if they manage to pay their bills this go-around. Like, they don't have $25 million to pony well, up. Well, they've got new ownership, which make great videos. Remember the, the woo? Oh, is this the angry dude yes, in the, the car? Angry, yeah, 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 that's them, the new owner. Maybe if he stops the roids, he'll be able to afford the $25 I don't million think dollars. it's roids. I, I just think it's, think it's just like I think it's something designer, my friend. Like anyway, designer. <laughs> anyways, it comes I, with pretty pictures screen printed on them. Probably. Anyways, I'm I'm sorry. I really don't know the guy. I just find his videos incredibly annoying uh, and also dangerous because he does them while driving. I haven't even seen the videos. All I've done is heard them, and they're enough for me oh, yeah. to want to take a yeah. designer drug. Just imagine driving down a highway in like L.A. or something while recording a video of that uh, enthusiasm. It's like it's like Tony Robbins on crack while driving a Lamborghini. There you go with the child seat in the background. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the child seat. forgot and, about the child yeah, yeah. seat. Anyways, oh my God, we've already just derailed this, this show so much. I don't know why anybody listens. Uh, but how much? And then this is like in our big topic. But I keep forgetting that there's like a lot here. How? What are the chances that this completely blows up on Activision Blizzard? Ninety five percent. Nobody bites. And they continue with this, or they try and continue with a a league, and and ninety percent of these teams dump out their interest completely. So there's there's two things at play here. One is, and this is going to be horrible, but true. How naive and out of touch are the people that they go after when inevitably they don't sign enough Overwatch League teams? Because I could see you selling somebody on the fact that Call of Duty is a strong brand. It has sold hundreds of millions of copies of the various games over the years and get people who maybe are not as informed as they should be excited about ponying up the money. Um, That is a long shot, but the idea of rich people being stupid is not as far-fetched as you might think. Um, So from that standpoint, maybe. I think the biggest risk here is that the World League becomes a shell of its former self, and they can only, say, bring six, eight teams on board that are paying these $25 million. It's not going to be the majority of these teams. And even with the three that you pointed out um, that have overlap, we know Optic Gaming's financial situation right now. Yeah, right. So, And while they have won the Call of Duty World League, the prize pools are not nearly as large as they are in the Overwatch League. And we saw the uh, Soul Dynasty not have the greatest end to last season right. and um the uh the fuel eventually get the words out. <laughs> uh the dallas fuel also you know an okay season but not one from a prize pool standpoint finished okay did not start or the middle wasn't even that great either but yeah, yeah. so not enough to like bring home a ton of bacon in which right. you're like oh i'm gonna pony up 25 million dollars more to be in a game that's probably gonna have a lesser audience and the lesser prize pool so here's a, another funny little uh, side thing you could do as an owner is sign your team to like two year contracts. So when it does roll around, you don't sign anything like anything into the league. But if anybody wants your players, which are now have no league to compete in, they have to pony up money. You have to 
by them from that. If I'm Evil Geniuses or any other team that contains a former champion of Call of Duty World League, I'm signing that person to the longest contract I can and be like, sure, by the way, that has a $3 million buyout clause. Yeah, totally. And so, Otherwise, they're just going to stream for us for the next three years. <laughs> right. It, it gets uh, a little crazy. I mean, it, it is possible. So, uh, so we, we touched a little bit on uh, the Overwatch League. Uh, and a little bit of uh, craziness. Uh, so the LA Valiant fired head coach Moon after their disaster start to the season. I think they're like 0-7 now. Uh, last I checked, I think it's even mm-hmm. gotten worse. So are you worried that esports is going to follow the traditional sports trend of putting disproportionate blame on coaches over players? I mean, what do you think about Flames' comments that the coaching shortage should give teams more pause in letting someone go? So this is interesting. This is not just a traditional sports problem in that, like, this is, like, business, right? Like, they don't fire the team members for failing. They fire the leader for screwing up. Um, The difference here is oftentimes it's not always about the strategy, right? There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. The coaches are not necessarily able to coach on the fly in esports in the same way that they are in traditional sports, right? They can make adaptations from round to round, but in a lot of sports that can't be in on the stage, it can't be in their players ears. Right. So they can't say, Hey, over there, Hey, don't do this. You know, as for example, and we always go back to this, but you know, you talk about English football, they're out in the tactical area. They're screaming at their players constantly. And I don't view the coaching role in esports to be of the same overarching influence as a head coach, say in the NFL In a, in the NFL outside of the general manager, the head coach has the biggest, impact not just on the strategy and the playing on the field but also just the overall culture of the organization what practices look like things like that Uh, in esports not necessarily always the case right there is the organization itself that has far more impact than the coaches more of an employee than a leader within the organization and yes they're giving strategies and whatnot so I don't know that this is the best move just from that standpoint. I don't like this idea that like it's not the player's fault, it's the coach's fault. I'm not sure how well that holds up in esports versus how we see it in traditional sports. I think the big point that Flame was also trying to make is that there are not a ton of people with experience in coaching an Overwatch League team, right? And so effectively there are only, what, maybe eight or however many got fired in season one and shuffled around, but there's only like a handful of people that are probably like solid at, at coaching it have or are considered seasoned people, right? Cer- certainly not anybody in Shanghai, right? <laughs> you know, they're, they're seasoned. They probably got seasoned and then set on fire. There's for a lot that. of salt. That yeah. is for sure. Yeah. Uh, but on top of that, I like that. That was a good pun. I'm going to give you that one point. That was dad joke level. That's right. That's solid. Uh, anyways, you got to work some of that into the intros. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but it's true. I mean, if you look at you just double the amount of teams, which means you have to pull in the amount of co- uh, double the amount of coaches. Some of that was pulled from contenders as much as humanly possible. That's where it last fed. But, but now again, look at the state Overwatch of contenders league level. Right, right. Still different. Um, but now you've got to look at like your pool is just what's left in contenders. And that was already torn up because you, contenders has a lot of new coaches as well. Yep. And what are you left with? Free agents who've also been fired from their team. XQC is coming back as a coach. Oh, man. Could you great. imagine that? Oh, he'll man. just get drunk and yell things at you. I don't wonderful. think he'd get drunk, but he'll, he'll just basically like snort pixie sticks and just start shouting. Jack in the box. There you go. Depending. Fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Flame's concern. I don't know if that's a reason to or not fire somebody. I will say this feels very traditional sports in that we've ignored everything that you did last season because they actually had a fairly successful season last season. And don't get me wrong, 0-7 is bad, but when you combine 0-7 with what's really else out there, it's the NFL quarterback problem right now, right? Like, yeah, we could fire that dude, but there's a bunch of other mediocre dudes out there who also can't throw the football. Uh, right. That's kind of what you're up against in the Overwatch League. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what to do about that. Oh, one other interesting Overwatch note is – if you've been waiting for Batiste, uh, he hits live servers on Tuesday. Another quick turnaround uh, for Blizzard yeah. on the Hero for us. Not a lot of huge changes on the PTR. I think the biggest change was to his Matrix. They changed the look of it because it looked more like a shield, not like a damage ampli- amplification Matrix. Oh, I have so, not seen the new one yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like the main change, I think, that they did to him. Not really anything. People are still going to cry he's OP and either rage quit because they can't pick him or rage quit because he ends up owning you in the face because right. you're to counter him. I don't. I didn't see anywhere stating that he wouldn't be available for two weeks, but that's been the standard. So it's kind of assumed at this point. Specifically, yeah, yeah. 
it'd also be interesting to see. We still, I don't think, have heard any official announcement of when he will be made available in the Overwatch League. That's another question I have, yeah. It'll probably be next stage, is my assumption. Yeah, which means we still have many, many weeks of goats. There you go. So many goats. So So many many goats. So many problems. (laughs) You're just just shooting desperately for uh, title status for this episode, aren't you? No, I think we were determined that before the show. Anyway, pajama party. Uh, moving on, Dota Auto Chess is on the rise again. I feel like the at least twenty percent of this show is just dedicated to giving you numbers of games that are growing ridiculously or dying a very painful death. I was going to say a slow, painful death, but I don't even think you can count what's happening to Artifact as slow. <laughs> no, it's like drive, drove off a cliff, man. Yeah, that crater was actually created by the meteoric fall that has been Artifact. And to think how much that game was hyped to actually uh put the nail in the coffin for hearthstone and it never broke 100k nope and ironically we're back we've come full circle we're more worried about mtg arena (laughs) than we are about (laughs) artifact but so uh, the rumors continue to persist that there's going to be some form of official support whether that comes direct from valve or comes from NetEase. obviously NetEase has also been rumored to be circling this game we're talking about a game right now with six million subscribers growing at roughly a rate of what forty two thousand a day they said it's, it's about i think they said almost half a million a week at yeah. this point so it's growing pretty rapidly they already anticipate within the next week it'll hit seven million but these aren't apex legends fortnite PUBG style numbers certainly not even dota numbers at this stage how much bigger can this game get and what impact would it have on the growth of the game if this got officially supported by valve well i think we reported that valve has been looking into it and i have a feeling it's just going to end up happening there's more interest now in it outside of uh valve from like a tournament organizer standpoint i think today twitch rivals uh twitch rivals showdown kicked off uh there's also the chinese communities picked up on it heavy and we all know that Valve wants more of that market, wants to get into there more as well since uh, Artifact. Uh, but I think there's like, a, was it a Do You TV and Imba TV are set to run own, their own competitions. Uh, that was what was reported over on VP Esports as well. So I think that, I mean, it's it's growing for, for certain. Um, and you can't see half a million growth every single week and not say, I want that. No. No, especially when your big bet is puttering out as it is. And so an interesting note, I'm going to steal your lead here, but all Chinese teams have gone and dumped their artifact rosters. Right. Speaking both to the health of the esports scene and the game in general, I mean, at this point, I feel like we can call it. I would not be surprised if that $1 million artifact esports tournament just never happens. I need that money to buy auto chess. I, I think if, if they would be better off putting that towards auto chess a 100 percent. i mean most of the people even like the the irony is that artifact was come out to beat hearthstone that was like their competitor to hearthstone yep and it ended up being that that uh chess is actually more of a competitor to hearthstone because all the hearthstone players i know are playing it right now turns out they didn't want another card game they just wanted something that was felt equally strategic but a very different type of strategic right a lot of them have spun over to that like uh, Trump, Savitz, like all these people that I know have been spending majority of the time because Hearthstone kind of hit that lull and they've just decided, hey, since competitive Hearthstone isn't is kind of dragging on now, they're going to just jump over and play some auto chess. Yeah, and they're already out there trying to, uh, on the Hearthstone note, trying to entice you to pay attention to the uh, grand finals because that's when they're going to start uh, having, it sounds like they're going to have some sort of invitational thing that's going to tease cards from the next expansion. So they're yeah. Gonna, uh, yeah, tossing well, out the reasons. Supposedly, well, yeah, that was some, something that came out. We didn't even throw that in the notes that it they are going to have part of the tournament played on a different format. I think they're switching formats mid tournament. Sure, why? Uh, I mean, we've already made a complete joke of Hearthstone esports, so why even bother being consistent? And it's also going to be on new cards, which means the first week of April is likely when we're going to see the new the new card dump. Uh, new card dump. That's a great way to say expansion. I mean, depending on how bad the expansion is, that may be a very accurate representation. Well, the funny thing is they've already started teasing a lot of it through these videos, these slow like release, like maybe once or twice a week they've been releasing a video. It's supposed to have some sort of villains theme. Yeah, it's going to try and tie like a bunch of the sets together. Um, But usually it's card reveal season and you start kind of getting that slow trickle of cards coming out. And if we're looking at like basically three weeks... Four weeks a new set I mean, it's already has mid-March, started, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I have a feeling that the people in charge of that just aren't around anymore. It's just not something they're going to do. Well, not to mention the fact that when we're talking, and maybe this is being a bit overgeneralizing words, making them up, um, it's also feels like a best of set at this point when we're talking about tying all the expansions together. Well, and we'll see how it actually executes, but it feels very like lack right out of ideas ish, or this is the transition set as we're talking yeah. about going from one development team to the other. It could be. I mean, some people talked about having like. Return of, say, like, Dr. Boom, but he has a different power this time around. There's been jokes of, like, evil twins kind of thing. And I, it's just. As long as they all have mustaches, then, then I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I should be on the creative team. Uh, you, I thought you were. I, thought that's I mean, why I we am, they just listen to the podcast and, and steal all our ideas. We know that. <laughs> if they did that. They By the were. way, do you think we're going to get a card reveal this time? <laughs> no. I think, I think, if anything, if they listen to the show, they end up playing in traffic more often than they should. <laughs> And it's sad because I really love the game, but I would never know it. Well, you can kind of tell now because I've, I've, I'm, the, I'm the the happy twin version who likes Hearthstone again. And after I'm the, last the guy with heels. the evil oily mustache. It is like f this game. That's you for like most games, except for maybe Smite right now. No, all fighting games and and fighting depending games. on which version of the weird Twitter <laughs> machine you listen to. So we okay, we have not addressed this on the episode That's yet, true. and I was debating whether or not to do it. There's this, so as expected, now, so I'll be honest, usually sometimes I'm like, oh, people are going to send us nasty messages, and it doesn't happen, and I'm like, I breathe a sigh of relief, and everything's great, but I was pretty sure that poking the melee community was the wrong thing to do, but here's the best part, we poke the melee community, and I don't feel like in a very aggressive manner, we just said what needed to be said, which is it's time to put it to bed, and... I'm still to this day, I wish this person would reach out to me on Twitter and try to explain what they were trying to say because we went like full circle and it started out with praising at least one of us for um, our hot takes on the fighting game community and uh, somehow by the end of it, we were saying the opposite of what we were saying and bashing Melee, but also supporting Melee. And I, to this day, have no effing clue why that guy was mad or not mad, but it was a very long Twitter thread of hate. So if you, as a listener, didn't understand a damn thing Brian said, that's basically how we felt during that Twitter I can't even explain what the hell was, and I, it's very obvious. I, I was driving and be like, oh, somebody liked what we said. Wait, no, did they like? No, they didn't like. Did they like? Oh, okay, they like. No, no, they're bashing us. Wait, we never said that. Wait, now they're bashing us and praising us for something we didn't say? Wait, I have no idea what's going on. I can't figure out whether, so to be clear... We weren't defending Evo or saying anything about the fighting game community in relation to esports. We were just very literally saying that it's a. I think it's a good thing for the long-term health of the FGC if we can move on from Melee and move to uh, Ultimate as the de facto Smash franchise and give Ooh. more space for other games to get into Evo. How that got turned into... Both us supporting and bashing melee, and supporting and bashing esports, and people read a lot of shit between the lines. I think they tried to say that we were differentiating, uh, we were comparing the FGC to esports in general. Uh, is that and, just because this is an esports podcast? And I have no idea what we were talking. about. I went like, back and listened. That, the word esports never actually left either of our mouths that entire <laughs> I conversation. Like, I was like, first off, we would never com- like say compare other esports to the fgc like that doesn't make any sense we consider the fgc still an esport so why would we we literally said yeah these games ended up there because they paid evo for slots so they could sell games and we both simultaneously got credit for that and uh got bashed for not saying that i have no clue i have no idea Anyways, what's going on. anyway thanks for the feedback <laughs> thank you for the feedback um if you'd like to clarify and at least just tell me like send me a tweet and say i hate you you're stupid or actually i support you so i can at least understand where you stand that's really I don't know either. I don't know whether to send you like a signed autograph or like a bag of dog shit. I, I'm super confused right now. Jeez. I know. Yeah. Send us all your love. or <laughs> Send us all our love or we will uh, set stuff on fire on your bags porch. of shit on your front doorstep. <laughs> it's like our old school version of doxing, I guess. I, I really don't know. <laughs> Dogs, uh, dogsing. Oh, man. No, that was the worst pun. That was horrible. Horrible. That's not making an intro. Uh, so moving on, CSGO, uh, betting and CSGO are back in the news as multiple players accused Knox Fire League admins of match fixing in their latest season. Speaking of things I had to read 15 times to understand what was being said. Um, so VP Esports did this big investigative piece trying to tie together some inconsistencies in play by one specific team during the most recent Knox Fire League tournament um, to some commentary that was made from players who were participating and or watching the match. 
and ultimately came to the conclusion that one particular Belgium team was abu- was basically using the spectators to ghost the other team in certain matches, reacting to what the information they were getting to be able to win those matches so that people could then bet on them to win and make a bunch of money. Um, so you spent a bunch of time reading through this entire article. Uh, you had to go through Google Translate a few times to try to figure out what the hell was being said. But ultimately, what did you come away with from this? So first up, prompts to um, Brendan Bassino for, for going through and putting all this stuff together. To be clear, that is us praising you in case you get confused on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, congrats. Uh, there are a couple weird things uh, in terms of like additions to the article. Uh, which when you start looking into it and you start looking into more of the context, like in Twitter or wherever the original source is held, it gets a little convoluted and I don't quite see how some of these things are drawn together. Uh, for clarification, it wasn't a Belgian team, it was a Bulgarian team. Oh, sorry. Wrong. Just oh, let, Jesus. Just letting you oh, know God, before come, the, the tweet still happens. Yeah. Uh, so, he said Belgians like esports. I'm confused. Yeah, he was comparing CSGO to waffles, and I don't know I don't why. Know. Why are all Melee players from Bulgaria? <laughs> <laughs> so meme worthy. Anyways, uh, so essentially what happens is it, this in the C, the CSGO Knoxfire League, uh, which is just a, a 16 team league, they've got like a 70k prize pool. And uh, really at the, the forefront of all the suspicion, uh, it was two teams. Uh, I can't, I'll, I will butcher the name. We'll say it's uh, Bojistava. I can't, Bojistvata. Is, is that yeah. Belgian or Bulgarian? I don't know. And okay. the other one is just uh, Heavy Knockouts or HKO. So, Really, HKO is the one that's called out probably the most here. Um, so several people called them out for using hacks, uh, which honestly can be hard to sort out during an online tournament. Right. So I think that's where they're giving some more uh, uh, weight towards this admin ghosting and feeding them information. Yeah. But it almost in the, in the speed in which they react, I would almost say that like they are using wall hacks. Uh, and so what happened is, is during the the, the season. Um, there were a couple of times where uh, HKO did some rotations and had these reactions that weren't in line with basically how they performed the rest of the, of the season and or just in general play. In di- I guess different teams in the tournament. Even. Right. So so they started off and, and got absolutely stomped by Avangar and Pro 100, which are pretty much the, the two main teams in this tournament – or sorry, in the season uh, – that are like the heavier weights, right? And so, I mean, they lost 16-1 to Avangar, 16-3 to Pro 100, uh, and, and they are the strongest teams in the league. Pretty much expected play. Then they went up against teams which were very similar in, I guess you could say, in, in, in ELO or just in, in general rankings or, or level, play level. And they won their follow-up matches. They won against Volgaire. And then they also took on uh, uh, I which I will uh, we'll call them ACOP. Great. Yeah, I can't pronounce names worth crap. I, the fact that I, I lucked out my name's a number and I don't have to take off my shoes to count to it so I can get to, <laughs> get to it pretty quickly uh, without letting people know that I'm just horrible at pronouncing names. So... What happened is, is um, Sarah and I from uh, ACOP basically said that – started showing proof, saying um, – playing back the game and showing at points where the entire team from HKO would do a rotation to B. So they would – so ACOP would make the decision, we're going to all rush B, right? And um, somehow the entire team knew to rotate and stack on B. Yep, and the entire team immediately went and stacked and then threw a flank. And you could see literally that one, a person was going and then just totally changed direction around a wall and walked the absolute absolute opposite direction. Now, this is without – this is so early on that there was no way that HKO could have like heard anything or seen anything. There was no player saying it. Like, it's almost immediate. Like As soon as they rushed to a point, it was there. Like somebody whispered they in would, their ear that they yeah, were going to be – Imagine that. Or they could see through the walls and, and see it. So there, then the other piece was uh, – you know, even it's equivalent to saying like – You've got a 50-50 chance that something's going to happen on a, on a coin flick, flip, and you call it the right way like 10 times in a row. Pretty, like... I do that on the regular. And it's not like about. they sent one people. They would they were doing full rotations over there. Like, they knew that's where they should go. 100%. Like, they knew it. And so, essentially, what happened is they, they started looking even further into this now. So, after that, those allegations, someone started looking at the odds in which they were supposed to win. Uh, and on the on the betting sites, because then people are like, okay, are they they stacking these games? Are, they, are the other teams throwing these games? What's going on? Are these games rigged? And he started noticing that like five minutes prior to the match, like beginning, 
that the odds were swinging heavy, heavy, heavy the opposite direction. So what would happen is, is they would almost go from like basically it was almost like a if you were to give them like a point value. I'm I'm awful at betting, but I'll give you this example. So it would be like one point two for one team versus a one point one four with another. But then right before the match would swing seven points in one direction to somebody else, like right before because of like big bets and then bets would change like midway through or get shut off during the matches, like at, at Ill, not opportune times. And it would be wildly out of line with other sites. So yeah. if you look at like how they should be ranked, it wasn't lining up. So that's when people started to be like, okay, this is probably like where I think someone put it in the betting world where there's smoke, there's definitely fire. <laughs> well, and this is for people that are not familiar with how this usually works. The obvious question is here. Well, why wouldn't they, rig the game to go up against somebody like Avangar where the odds are going to be insane that they're going to lose and then they end up winning and you make a ton right. of money. The whole point is to stay under the radar, not just stay under the radar from the amount of money that you're winning, but how many people are actually betting or paying attention to that a betting line and even just if you're talking about doing weird things that are obviously cheating in a match you want to do it in a match that is far less likely to be viewed by outsiders that could potentially then go and say hey i saw that weird thing so for example you would not want to do this in the world finals of league of legends because there's billions of people that are going to potentially catch right, you cheating right. what you want to do it in is some low level tournament so it's not about getting one windfall and getting out it's about slowly bleeding money out of the system in parts of where people are not paying attention which again which is why like with i buy power that happened you know back in the day that this is happening in these low and mid-level tournaments off in right. europe and southeast asia and whatever because they're the ones to be far less likely paid attention to at all levels yeah and that's one of the problems that they ran into is like it, it wasn't these like big uh i guess you call them like the david and goliath matchups they were like two evenly matched teams which right beforehand would turn into the odds that look like a david and goliath just so that the windfall could be even even bigger uh, if you placed a big amount of money on someone. So uh, the allegations of ghosting is where it kind of gets a little fuzzy in terms of like what's going on. What are you talking about? That could make complete sense. Yeah. So uh, that's a part that felt like it was almost kind of like overconnecting the dots, uh, but it could hold some weight. So the TLDR on this is that basically the admin, uh, the administrator and organizer for the tournament had a steam profile, has a steam profile and the Steam profile for the Spectator was also under the same name. So and the, it was the Spectator, I believe, for the, the HKO matches. So, yep. um, And because of that, the assumption is, or the, the way that they leapt to the tournament organizer was involved in this, was also mentioned, uh, I think, partially because there was a, a, a screenshot from Discord where somebody was telling HKO, hey, we've got an opportunity for you, but you need to qualify for this tournament and it, but it's okay we will get you there because we'll also screen sheet for you well like we'll basically like we'll ghost for you so it's not clear as to who said that i don't believe um but looking at the tournament organizer being the person who was the spectator for all that and then here's the discord and someone saying hey we'll we'll, we'll spectate and ghost for you they're kind of trying uh, to it, put two it, and two it could be like we're putting two to two together it also doesn't help that the person went and deleted the profiles afterwards yeah like so if you're that, not guilty you now look very guilty. right now because i was going to say as a tournament organizer it's probably not ill-conceived to say you have like four accounts which you log in for have have four spectators to essentially follow matches whatever it may be and you may own all of them totally legit Just keep in mind you got to put like real information in here in fact i bet if you went and watched something like e-league tournaments and looked at the accounts that they use for spectating they probably have really silly names tied to like real people at turner right exactly and so these things like it makes sense uh but when you go back and you delete them after the fact that seems a little sketch so there could be something there uh there was no real update past that it feels like it's a little bit of a jump but i don't know i i, I can't accurately say even with paraphrasing like yeah they, they cheated so i feel like the headline from the vp article was a little misleading i mean it is allegations i guess you could say uh, but, but, but hardly, like I would call it. I would not call it concrete proof. I would say it's more, there's more proof that they were using wall hacks than it was more proof that they were actually being aided by uh, a tournament admin. And keep in mind, this is an online tournament happening yeah. potentially on not super great internet, and the just the delay of me seeing what you do and then me turning around and communicating it all via you know a non LAN connection 
to tell you what's going on. You may not be able, you should not be able to have, especially for players of this quality, not be able to have the reaction times to actually move as quickly as they do in the videos. I agree that there's far more like a screen hack or wall hack going on on their side on the client as opposed to somebody whispering yeah. in their ears. I mean, some of it, and one of the, the downsides of, of using that kind of uh, screen hack or, or, or wall hack in general is that one, you could get um, uh, vacked by Valve on that, right? So yeah. the Valve anti cheat could, could catch it. Uh, doesn't happen nearly as much as it probably should. Or you should. leave Word.exe um, on your desktop. There and... you go. There's that. But the other thing is, like, you could also give it away from, like, a, a standpoint. If somebody's go back and watch the game, they could see that you were pre-lining up your shots as somebody's coming around the wall. I mean, how but, many people get accused of cheating for just being really good all the time, yeah. have as an Overwatch constantly? Yeah, it didn't. It, you know, uh, there was at least 300,000 people in uh, Apex Legends that were accused of cheating who all got banned, thankfully. Um <laughs> Anyways, there's just a lot of that grunting rampant. But the, the, what I'm trying to say is that by giving them information verbally via spectating as an admin, it's going to be look it'll, it'll look more organic in terms of how the combat plays out, and it still just kind of throws it in them in their favor. Could you imagine them having this information and still losing? Like that's probably why they didn't do it against the bigger name teams. Now that I think about it, yeah, because like, even having that info, they just didn't have. Like when you're talking about, there's there's strategy, and then there's just mechanics. There's talent, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're lacking those mechanics, even getting in a firefight, knowing that we stacked and they were all rotating to B, doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to win. <laughs> right, right, right. So even the initiative, the initiative still won't help you win if you're just sloppy at those headshots. Uh, exactly. Uh, so keeping it to CSGO, uh, TSM, we've talked in the past, there's been rumors flying around for a while that they are potentially getting back into CSGO. It looks like the latest rumors hold true in that they are now looking at Uruguay 3 as a team to potentially be their inroads back into Counter-Strike. What do you think about this particular approach for TSM? I think it's smart to pick up a team, um, especially like with, with Scream and Extends and, and having... They have... Uh, you know, they've they've been in majors, right? They've got the experience. They're leading up a team. They're available essentially to be picked up. Uh, they're not currently sponsored. It, it makes sense for TSM to get back in it and in that standpoint. Now, will this be a team that we should all worry about and be in a, like a top five? No, nope. but can they be a a mid tier above complexity type level team? Yeah. It's very much a possibility. I'm pretty sure we could yeah. be. Could they, could they join the uh, Noxfire League and win out, make 70K? Yeah. Depends but, if they know uh, Mr. EG. Yeah, or just a tournament organizer on Discord. But no, I, I just I think it is. Was, his, the name, was his name in Discord tournament underscore organizer? No, it was like, uh, no, it wasn't. It, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. It was something that Gotta didn't watch make out for those fakes. Deep fakes, my friend. <laughs> Deep fakes. Tournament dash organizer dash Noxfire says. Not, parentheses, not a cheater. <laughs> right. Must and have been that guy. Yeah, must have been him. And now that's how they drew the, the lines. Now I see how they did it. See, see, um, but no, I, I think it's a smart move. I mean, there's not a ton on here. This is kind of just. Uh, again, uh, being reported, it's not uh, 100% true or confirmed, um, but it would make sense because we know that they're shopping for a team. They've kind of – it's been out there that they're looking to join in CSGO. I think this would be a good addition to it. It's also a good time to do it, right? We just came out of the last major, kind of Itze, uh The calendar coming up still, is as it always is with Counter-Strike, full, but not necessarily yeah. tournaments where they're going to be missing out because if we talk about like the Blast Pro Series, which is kind of the next – one of the next major tournaments on the radar, uh, largely just a piggy bank for Astralis, which if everything feels like a piggy bank for Astralis at this stage. Uh, but it's, a, I'd say, a lull in the major action. Action, no pun intended, right. for them to get in, get a team, and get settled. Yeah, I think if you look at it, though, like uh, that strategy of keeping a team together for a while, as fast paces, all these tournaments are coming out now, uh, and not have to be in constant rock roster flux, uh, it turns out that you can still make a good amount of money. Even if you were, again, like, if you're anybody other than Astralis, you still have a good, solid chance of making money. And yeah. so it's not like just the winner gets it right. Like no. they're, they're, these prize pools are big enough that even if you're finishing in second, third, fourth place, you're making enough money to make it worth your time. And especially if you're uh, an invited team, then you're also getting a lot of that the payment up front. Like you get like an appearance fee kind of as well. Yep. So uh, one of the things uh, we, uh, since we're on the topic of, of tournaments, 
yesterday it was Navi's coach Kane uh, made a plea with tournament runners on how to change competitive CSGO for the better. Uh, the changes would involve less it, tournaments. It's kind of well. The, there's some weird. There's some some interesting things here. So uh, for one, uh, the the change would involve a tw- a 24 team best of one group stage with the top teams moving to quarterfinals, the bottom four teams getting kicked from the tournament. Um, so no seeding because he has an issue with seeding, which he brings up some interesting points on that. And we'll get to that. I hope in you a understand second. it more than I did because it didn't feel like he was describing the same system that we've been talking about for Katowice. He, he was, he was, and, and I get what he was talking about. So um, that's why I leave these topics up to you. Yeah. yeah. He, he would also shorten the overall tournament by week, but include more games and broadcasts in front of a live audience. So, well, I mean, it, he made some interesting points about seeding uh, in the post, but some of those points don't exactly work well from a business standpoint, especially when it comes around to like the, the, the actual broadcasting of the tournament. What, you can't have se- six-week-long tournaments just to make sure that they're mathematically fair? So he's actually shortening the tournament, but what he's doing is he wants more aired matches because people playing in front of like a live audience and it being broadcasted is more, more of that major experience, right? And you think teams benefit for that. And that some teams, uh, it causes some teams to kind of crumble under that pressure. And part of being a good team is, is knowing that, right? So, for instance, uh, I think you talk about Ents' run. So Ents gets all the way to the main stage, and then here's this huge amount of pressure. Would they have done as well as they had under that same pressure beforehand, or would we have seen them crumble and found their weakness? So basically, what he's trying to do is he's trying to level the odds of what people are playing against throughout the tournament. He basically wants to break down what is a traditional playoff model and reevaluate the the ranking essentially at every single stage. In in some ways. So he 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 his problem with the seeding piece is that uh teams were seeded before they were ranked, which I like the peer ranking piece. But the peer ranking piece was actually uh done before the tournament and based on uh how teams were performing but in, in the past, right? right. Not at the, the previous level. tournaments. Right. And he wants to make it handle more around uh, where they are at the current state and how they're performing during the tournament. So the idea is that uh, what he had talked about is like, while they, they knew of the ELO system or the seeding system, it basically made for an easy road for Astralis. Because if you look at the average uh, win rate of the people that Astralis had to go through, it was much lower than what liquid had to go through that's how playoff seating works right but again you were originally seated based on how you'd done largely prior right i know they did reseeding i think before they got into the playoffs but the seedings i don't well, think actually there's, changed. there's few enough teams at that point too that it isn't as relevant i think the difference here to put it in uh, layman's terms so to speak is when you think about a traditional playoff seating for like say the nhl or the nba those rankings matter because those rankings are based on a regular season that you have to right. make mean something. So the reward for kicking ass at the regular season is or should be an easier path to the finals. Right. If if technically the ranking holds up, the more accurate the, it reflects the ranking, the easier path should be. Because if the, technically speaking, best teams or worst teams in some cases win out, the gap in rating between the teams that you play, the higher up the ladder you go, the wider gap there is. The challenge with Katowice is this is not saying there's a regular season that you're being rewarded for. You're sexually, you're sexually, whoa, you're essentially just being rewarded for being an awesome team in a previous tournament. And it maybe feels weirder to account for previous tournament performance in it so heavily weighted. Um, Now, that's a tough sell as far as I'm concerned. I get what he's saying, but it does also punish potentially teams that end up getting upsets because they right. should be able to say make things a little bit easier on themselves especially if they are operating towards the middle of the ranking and instead potentially get matched up in less favorable matchups based on the re-ranking because they got lucky well and ultimately i mean you talk about like it's easy to find like the top end right the top end teams get an easier path because it's easier to figure out who those teams are because they win the most and well, they and to be fair astralis probably did i mean if you're basing it on previous performance probably deserved an easier rank right. all the way through if that's right. the philosophy you want to adopt for the seeding. but if you look at uh the teams i guess you could say middle of the pack they end up having a harder time because yeah if if you're if you're three and oh and you go against an oh and three team 
yeah, because you went three and zero in the previous round, whatever it may be. If you went say three and one, you're going to play against another three and one team because we need to figure out which one of you is the better three. Which and has one. always been the case. The closer you get to that middle, when you get to that, say for the eight seed versus the nine seed, like that is supposed right. to be a more difficult challenge, and maybe a disproportionately difficult challenge in a lot of ways, right? Like is eight so much worse that you should have a harder time than, you know, seven or six. It, it's yeah. it's tough, but the inverse also worries me as well, right? Because if I'm Astralis, and let's just say it's like, you know, you should go versus one and two, or say one and two or how you're ranked at the beginning, so you're completely opposite ends of the of the bracket, and then the next round we reevaluate, and you're like, oh, they're both really good, so let's move them closer together. I, I don't know. It's I, I don't know. I actually don't see how it would impact the seeding unless you change the philosophy about how separated the good team should be from the bad right. teams and he, i mean he's largely wanting to do still the best of ones and give them more weight in some ways the thing from a business standpoint that kind of creates a little bit of a problem is the fact that uh you know it, by he says well it's only adding another week to the venue or whatever it may be that's a whole nother week of crew it's just another week. The week in the venue like it costs a lot of money finding a venue becomes even more difficult because you need to be able to find it for two weeks versus like a weekend or four days They'll always just have them yeah. say because it's the only place it's open <laughs> basically what he's uh, yeah uh and so i think that and, and having again run uh conventions having also talked to people at turn like how much it costs to run a major like having to run you're essentially run two majors is just it's yeah it's it's kind of crazy town i don't see that being something that makes a a ton of sense from a business standpoint that Uh, one really could pull it off because they would just break it down into like 27 weekends of hour-long specials on tbs well they could that's how you can make money off of it that standpoint so maybe that is more more footage for them more majors for e-league i think that's what we're really saying here yeah uh, well free idea folks at e-league there you go on us moving back to apex because lord knows we can't get through an episode these days without talking about apex it's or hearthstone new- evidently even though i left out the notes we still brought it back I, I i'm here for you i'm looking out like you and i yeah i know i know you're still looking for that job on team five i get it yeah yeah sure why not <laughs> He's like, no, no, I don't want that job. <laughs> uh, so a lot going on in Apex. It continues to grow, obviously. But for the first time in a while, we're not going to actually talk about the growth numbers. We're instead going to talk about the upcoming patch was had. I wouldn't call it drama, but the uh, data miners have been in full effect uh, trying to figure out not just what's coming with the first season, but also are we going to get the battle pass? How much is it going to cost? What are the details? Uh, talk to me a little bit about what's going out there with these uh, leaks that were fakes that turned out not to be fakes. Well, first, let's talk about their growth in number. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> uh, so a couple things have, have leaked in the past week. Uh, some of them were uh, around the actual battle pass itself. That leak actually ended up being uh, an, an accidental pushing of like uh, a banner within Origins client around the battle pass saying it turns it's here. out that, uh, they are actually bad at grammar. It's not. <laughs> there was a, yeah, it was. It felt very filler, but it was accidentally went live. Uh, so somebody pushed, uh, I guess I don't know, pushed the wrong code to Origins essentially on that site. So what happened is, is people kind of freaked out and they went online and then Origins took it down and then most people weren't able to confirm it and then called it fakes. They came because out and said, of those typos. yeah, because of the typos, they're like someone just did a horrible job of editing this. Uh, but they were like, it was a responsive website and multiple people posted in like different sizes and everything. So it was like, no, that's like, that's legit. It's very elaborate Photoshop. to get yourself some upvotes on Reddit otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So they, they called it as like an accidental thing, but it's not coming today uh, or, or that day. So Battle Pass will come when they say it comes. Uh, and but the other thing that they've run into is that they've had a lot of leaks, especially around uh, new champions, right? So or new legend uh, legends, so sure, heroes, legends, uh, champions, those things you yeah, pay money for. Yeah, the legends. So uh, someone had released uh, it was probably like a dozen different legends, the models and the references to them in the code, uh, and uh, they came out and they said. Uh, like a representative from Respawn said, look, there are a lot of things we test. We prototype with a ton of stuff. Some of the models that were shown weren't the greatest of quality, right? They don't have necessarily have artwork even associated with them 100%. So don't like – don't read into like, hey, these are coming because it could have been something that we tested and we just left. Yeah, maybe maybe don't leave those in the code. Well, that's Learn some that's, lessons. that's kind of where I'm like either one, don't leave it. Like two – Rookies. Like – yeah, one, you shouldn't leave that stuff in the code, right? If it's references to it, if if you're not 
really going to use. I mean, you could leave it in the code. Because there's nothing against the EULA for them to go data diving. So no. you're like, you got to be very yeah. careful about that. But the, one of the things that's actually more problematic is like, if you're leaving in those models or you're leaving in that stuff in the code, like, how much bloat of a code are you? pushing out there like of a product you're pushing out there clearly you're they pushing don't out live to in 50 Columbus, million Ohio, people where they have to download things <laughs> yeah, over the of days so i mean everybody complains about the size of of hearthstone and how it's not optimized for mobile really and it's just like a you giant stop and just yeah. not optimize i still can't yeah. play it on windows yeah well that's different that's a logging error which i figured out at least anyways uh See? joining team five there we go i i've and I've actually had you answer that question multiple times on reddit too uh anyways so i mean there's a lot of those things that are coming out i the one thing that I did want to talk a little bit about just briefly is Octane. around this, this battle. Yeah, well, Octane, yeah. Uh, is this battle pass? Um, a lot. There's some almost meme-worthy stuff out there going on around people not wanting to play because there isn't a battle pass. And then some people says, man, if I don't get a battle pass, I'm still going to play. <laughs> like Just like threatening. Which is you. Uh, I'm still playing it. I don't care. Like it, I don't need a battle pass to to just be awful at the game. All a battle True. pass does is say, is make goals for me uh, that I feel like I'm probably not going to be able to easily at- obtain and put more pressure on me to actually play where I'm having a lot of fun playing as is. Right you know now. what I end up doing? Like, so Paladins has a battle pass. I just spend a crap ton of money at the end, but I'm like, shit, I'm like the 55 more levels. I'm just going to pay $25 for that skin. <laughs> really? Yeah. That, I'm, a sad, that, sad, I'm a sad man with a full-time job. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just enjoying playing the game outside of Hearthstone. This is the game I probably have, uh, played the most this year are you any better so at it than you are at hearthstone <laughs> i'm actually pretty good at well both but i'm not amazing at apex oh, sorry yet. sorry mr humble hearthstone yes yeah, i'm actually decent i'm decent at hearthstone uh apex <laughs> i don't know I'm, i beat you I'm that more. one time that's how i got the hikari card back yeah geez hmm. who accidentally fireballed their face like twice and the frostbolt of their face just uh, that was twice. the tournament organizer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tournament, yeah. Tournament yeah. underscore organizer. Tournament? Yeah. Uh, I, I think what is very interesting, though, to, to kind of bring it back to some actual topics, is the battle pass. They've gotten this far without it, right? They've already, I don't know what the latest number is, but last week we talked, it was 50 million already. And not that Fortnite had their microtransaction shit together at the beginning of the Fortnite launch either, so not to draw the comparison, but just saying that if they've gone 50 million and the theory is that people will want to play more or holding off on playing due to the lack of battle pass, and they're like, well, I'm just going to wait till my progression counts. Kind of like, I'm not going to play in the beta because it's a waste of right. time. Uh, it certainly, it means that it's going to see maybe even a steeper upward trajectory for the game when the battle pass comes out, which could mean potentially Fortnite breaking numbers when we start to get to Fortnite's current size, not even talking about its ascent to its current peaks. Yeah, I mean, it could pick up even more because people are, are playing towards that. I think really the, the thing that it sadly holds holding it back is the lack of rotation of cosmetic items in that shop, right? It They're only changing sparse. every every like four or five days. I mean, in the course sorry. of a week, maybe like two things change where Fortnite's at such uh, has so much for in terms of cosmetics, like too much in terms of cosmetics that they can rotate every single item five times a day and still not show the same items in the same month, just about at this point. And it's more ridiculous. affordable. The other thing Apex is getting some shit for right now is it is a little bit pricey on the microtransaction side. For it is actually pretty pricey. Um, and that with a battle pass, I assume will probably change. It's just, there's not a ton right now. Nope. There's just, there, there's not, there's only been like two things that I think I've bought. And I just I, I bought the two extra legends is all I've spent any money. I, I mean, outside of those, yeah. But I, I mean, I check in like almost every other day, and then realize like, oh, it it hasn't been four days for it to pass. And so. this is why the show does not come out on time every week. Yeah, I'm playing Apex Legends. Yeah. Well, I thought it was maybe because <laughs> you were saving your money because you're going to go to the awesome MDL Disneyland Paris Dota Pro Circuit Major Stop. Actually happening. Tickets on sale now. That is not a paid advertisement. No, it's actually just confirmation that it was happening in Disney when we thought it was because yeah, I job of the rumors. Tickets are available. If you happen to be uh, in Disney around the time of the uh, Dota Pro Circuit, uh, pick yourself up some tickets. Last but not least, let's talk a little PUBG. So we've given both. I think we've simultaneously praised and derided Fortnite for its esports program, which is largely just throwing money at marketing. Uh, but the new PUBG Mobile Club Open seems very similar to a Fortnite event. So a $2 million prize pool is available. It is very invitational style. You can go in there and fight for the right to uh, get your chunk of $2 million. The question I have for you is, is this indicative of a change in their approach to esports, or is this just like a one-off tournament and whatever? I mean, this is just because uh, their biggest market share 
is is mobile right now. I mean, they're mobile in China, mobile in China, and that's really what this is. Um, and they want to keep it there. They don't want Fortnite pushing any further. Uh, they definitely don't want Apex. Although I don't think Apex Legends is engine will even translate to mobile right now. Um, I don't think that was necessarily a, a thought. Um, and so, yeah, they're just they're they're capitalizing on that, wanting to grow it even more more so. And uh, they're doing extremely well, I believe, from a from a mobile standpoint, definitely in China. By the way, I don't know if you saw this on the Fortnite side, random aside, uh, they have actually drawn a line between the consoles in crossplay now, where the Switch is being grouped with mobile uh, crossplay because yeah. of the frame rate concerns, and they've left Xbox and PS4 off on its own. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, uh, some people had joked that if, if they saw. Apex Legends moved to mobile, then there's a chance that there'd be a uh, a Switch version coming soon. Uh, largely due to playing like, that game on a Switch screen. Uh, I would just love to play it more. So I, I don't care what the like, Switch format. mobile Neo Geo uh, like etch a sketch. If I could play it on etch a sketch, I'd would. I, I, I ironically have that Game Boy Advance version. I'd probably have better aim on an etch a sketch. So uh, also in when when. You know, when we talk about PUBG, we also talk about Player Unknown. We've talked to Brennan uh, a couple of times, and we knew him about before him. he was. Famous. We knew him before he was famous. Uh, anyways, he doesn't remember but, us. But uh, uh, Brennan Greener, play, Player Unknown, is stepping away from PUBG's development to focus on uh, quote special projects for PUBG Corp. So he's not totally stepping away from uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds as a whole. He'll stay on as a consulting creative director, but ultimately he's he's now tasked with setting up shop. Uh, in Amsterdam at their new office to uh, focus on research and development for for new games and and titles. So this to me uh, sounds like we're throwing they, in the towel. that they're throwing maybe not necessarily throwing in the towel on it, but they they feel like they've probably well they have peaked with with PUBG. Oh yeah, they are not necessarily in a space where they're going to innovate their way out nope. and grow. No, there with Apex even, Legends, that's yeah. that's the nail in the coffin right there. I think so. I think the writing's on the wall now with Apex Legends. They're not going to grow any further. They're going. They're starting to bleed th- things out, and unless it's it's mobile, right? So, do you think this not. has any impact on on PUBG as a whole, or is this are they were they already in a holding pattern? I don't want to minimize his contributions to the game. But I think the existence of the genre in the game in general has always been his biggest contribution to PUBG and the Battle Royale genre, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much his day-to-day creative direction is making or breaking the game for even, say, like the last year, right? Like it is now a high-functioning gaming company. As well as any company running a game like PUBG could be high functioning, uh, but they you know they've done they try to fix bugs things like that that are not necessarily creative direction but actually so probably more the earmarks of a seasoned manager just coming in and saying like this game sucks we need to fix these problems before yeah. we worry about new quality stuff. of life stuff yeah quality of life stuff which um one I I hate to say this but when quality of life stuff comes out one of two things is happening it is I've run out of ideas or there's some major transition going going on behind the scenes and it's a good way to pause but keep people interested. Ironically enough, we're seeing a lot of this happen in the Smite community right now as they've switched over to executive producers with Dry Bear leaving um, and somebody new coming on board. And they're doing the same kind of thing where they're tossing out all these wonderful, fun, quality of life features and maybe not necessarily like brand new content and whatnot. Right, right. Similar type approach. So, I I mean, it is what it is. And if you look at it from PUBG Corp, as in the video game company that does not, well, maybe one day will not just produce Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, it's an incredibly smart move. It, there's nothing wrong with betting on a guy who created this genre for all intents and purposes, or certainly refined it to a point where it's been a as big of a hit as it is, even if the game that he set out to make to push it forward ultimately didn't win the war of Battle Royale games. And now, can he have another hit? Who knows? Maybe he's a one-hit wonder. But it's a safer bet than anything else they have, and certainly a safer bet than, than just continuing to do the same old thing, hoping these other two behemoths of Battle Royale games are going to somehow go away. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's indicative of them kind of calling it quits on uh, – well, not really calling it quits, but basically saying – we're just going to ride it out with We PUBG. are where we are, and we're making some good money, and let's let's make sure we're yeah. good for the future. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it, when you look at when uh, Rocket or, or Dean Hall left DayZ, it kind of had plateaued, right? It started losing its share to things like 
H1Z1 and Fortnite and everybody else just kind of eating it up. Matter of fact, PUBG, when PUBG came out, like granted, Dean Hall was already gone, I think at that point, but they just, they, they saw that Arma was basically stealing from them. Uh, and so Dean was like, I'm going to go leave and go do something else. I've made my money. I've made my mark. I've done my thing. Time to move on. At least with this, Brennan's still staying on with uh, PUBG Corp and maybe creating new game types and models. So yep. he's, and it's not like, oh, he's got like, he's just going there and he's going to sort it out. Uh, he's going back to Amsterdam, which I think he's originally from. He actually, I don't think he liked living in, in South Korea anyways, from when we had talked to him. Uh, he was tight because he spent a ton of time there with Blue Hole yep. uh, in the actual development of PUBG. But that team he's been working with now for like three years is still the team that's going to be running it. Um, but he, they're already hiring like a bunch of people for Amsterdam. And it's not like they're just like, oh, account executives and whatever it may be. Like it's legit game dev and designer. So they clearly have something either big in mind or they trust he's going to come up with something. And it looks like the size that you would go with. I mean, it's probably like maybe like 14 people, but just it's like a prototyping group. It's obviously it's like total R&D. But uh, just to quickly try and churn out some new concepts to maybe further build out in the future. Well, we will uh, see the impact that it has. That's going to do it for this week. As always, you can catch us every week on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eLeagueReport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're there, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Uh, Maybe you can explain to us what the hell that guy on Twitter was talking about. (laughs) I knew you were going to loop it back around to that. Got to go back there. Um, Or if you'd like to explain more directly, you can do so. Discord.eLeagueReport.com. I don't even know the guy's Twitter handle, but if you're that dude or anybody involved in that conversation, help brother out. A lot of salt in the wounds this week. What's going on, man? You all right over there? (laughs) <laughs> you know what it was? It's because we didn't do this in onesies. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Wanted to do it in onesies. He said or jammies. No. Or jammies. Or jammies. <laughs> I was trying not to go. I was trying to hit it right on the head. I was trying to a little off to the side. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. We will be back next week with another episode of The Evening Report. <laughs>